Hey friends, welcome to the 100th episode of this, the best of. It's the best of 100 episodes. It's your favourite stories, the things that you love the most. It was funny for me to go back and listen to some of these in order to sort of collate them and remember some of the things that I said and be surprised myself even at some of my candour and how weirdly honest I decided to be and tell stories about shitting myself or losing my virginity or just all sorts of crazy things that have happened in life. It's a sort of almost stand-up special. If I were to take these stories and turn them into a stand-up thing, it's an hour and ten minutes. They'd probably condense down to about 40 minutes and I'd make them into stand-up. So this is the almost stand-up special and uh, I hope you enjoy it. Here come the clips. I went to Tesco to uh, get some bits and bobs for in the hotel, some water and stuff, and I ended up buying some sandwiches and some other things. One of the things I bought was a bag of donuts. There were four donuts in this pack, right? And I ate one and I was thinking, that donut was really good. I'm definitely going to eat the next one. And as I was eating the next one, I was thinking, well, there's nobody in this room who doesn't know I'm about to eat the third one. So I ate the second one. And I mean, when I say I ate them, I mean, I ate them like a snake eats. You know, when a snake eats something huge and you can see it going down like in a cartoon, when it just seems to absorb it, I ate them like that. You know, when I ate a Tunnock's tea cake, I put the whole thing in my mouth in one go. So I was eating the donuts pretty crazy. And um, maybe four bites is a donut for me. So I'm eating the second one and I'm thinking, well, I know I'm going to eat the third one, but eating four seems like a bad idea. So I take the first bite of the third one and I'm thinking, I really shouldn't eat that fourth donut. If I do that, that's really, that's too much. Then I take the second bite of the third one and I think if I put that donut in the bin, I know in five minutes I'm going to get that donut back out and I'm going to eat it. And then I thought, well, I could crush it. And then I took the third bite and thought I'd still eat a crushed donut. There's no way around this. But the second that I don't have donut in my mouth, my decision-making ability is going to go out of the window and I'm going to eat the fourth one. As soon as there's no donut in my mouth to take my mind off the fact that there is a donut that I could put in my mouth, I'm going to put the donut in my mouth. I'm sure you understand. So I take the fourth bite and knowing that it was all I could do to not eat it, I ran over and I threw the donut out of the travel lodge window into the car park. (laughs) And I watched it sail down into the car park and land. And I thought, yeah, there it goes. And then about a minute later, I was thinking, well, I can't go and get that donut out of the car park. I'll go and see what's in the vending machine. But by the time I walked down to the vending machine, I'd gotten some strength. I bought some water. I drank the water and I went to bed. So, you know, sometimes it's about just giving yourself enough time to try and make a better decision. (laughs) (laughs) I read on the news today as well, by the way, that they're thinking in the UK of reintroducing wolves to the wild to curb the deer population. Apparently there are too many deer out in the wild. I mean, how do they work that out? Who says there are too many deer? What's that got to do with anything? How are they a problem? How are deer a problem in the wild? What are they doing? I've never known anything of deer other than they're in cartoons. Bambi, I mean, there weren't enough in that film, were they? It was heartbreaking. Bambi's mother was dead. Spoiler alert if you haven't seen that film. And there weren't enough deer. They could have been doing one more. And they're saying that if they reintroduce wolves, this is not taking the piss, by the way. If you look on the news, you'll find out that this is what they're saying. 
but I, I don't generally look at the news. But I happened to come in this living room this morning when it was on Channel 5. Anyway, um, the thing about reintroducing wolves to curb the deer population, to me, that is replacing what could only be a 3 out of 10 problem with what is easily an 8 out of 10 problem. Would you rather have 100 deer or 50 deer and 25 wolves? <laughs> surely that's not good how is wolves being back in the popular what if the wolves get out of hand what do we do then oh uh there's a bit of a wolf problem in the uk there's too many wolves in the wild so we're thinking about reintroducing tigers (laughs) we're thinking about reintroducing tigers into the wild to curb the wolf problem what happens if the tigers get out of control? What do we do then? Oh, we've actually bred... Um, we've bred the old Tyrannosaurus rex. Well, Jurassic Park. We're going back into Jurassic Park. We've bred the Tyrannosaurus rex. And we're going to let a cu- just a couple of them go. Just a couple of them. And uh, they are going to take care of the tigers. Who are taking care of the wolves. Who are taking care of the deer. Who are taking care of the mushroom problem. I don't know what deers eat. What do deers eat? Do they eat plants? They eat plants, don't they? They're um, herbivores. Are they herbivores? I don't know. But anyway, I think they eat grass. I mean, that's not a problem, is it? Eating the deer? Uh, them eating... Oh, God, I don't know what I'm on about now. But I don't see how wolves... What happens if there's wolves and, you know, all this sort of stuff, and then you have to go out and get some shopping? Imagine if Sarah said to me, can you go and get some eggs? And um, I come home, and she goes, do you get the eggs? And I go, oh, fuck me. Tigers in the car park. Couldn't get out the car. (laughs) Too scared. Before you know it, we, human beings, are back in the food chain. And that'll be a problem. Because at the minute, we don't get eaten. Nothing eats us, apart from cannibals. Dennis Nilsson, the occasional crazy person. What about that? There's a population problem. Uh, What are we doing to sort it out? We're reintroducing serial killers back into the wild. There's a few in prison and we're just going to give them new identities and let them out. And they're going to curb the population problem. That's where we're at. Why do we get to decide that there's too many of anything? Surely if there's too many of something, then that's survival of the fittest. Let them grow. Mind you, that's we stop viruses, don't we? And a virus is, is alive. So maybe... Maybe something's reintroduced the virus to curb us. <sighs> I mean, how long is it before it's the Hunger Games, Mad Max, Jurassic Park and World War Z all rolled into one? Before you know it, we're going to be hoarding oil in our gardens. Joshua and me are going to have crossbows on our back. Sarah's going to be riding around on a horse with a, <laughs> with a spear. Oh, my God. It's not looking good, is it? People keep making the joke who had that on their 2020 bingo card. And this is one, isn't it? I saw a meme where someone had um, said that they found an animal in a cave under the sea that they'd never seen before. And someone went, just put the stone back where it was. This is not the year for this shit. (laughs) They're right, aren't they? I tell you what, in the middle of Brexit, when nobody knows what's going on and the supply of food is going to be limited by the stupid, ignorant racists who were desperate to have us out of the EU and didn't realise that it meant we wouldn't be able to get medicine and food delivered. In the middle of that, let's have a global pandemic where everyone's getting ill. What else can we do? Um, have we thought about 
breeding more wolves and setting them out free in the wild. <laughs> Just get to fuck, will you, with your wolves in the wild. Ridiculous. And I, I could tell you a million stories about my dad, and I could, who is sadly no longer with us. Um, I'll tell you two funny things. When my dad died, which is not usually a start to a funny story, but um, my mum and dad are tremendously humoured. And my mum, oh, good gosh, is one of the nicest people you could ever meet. And uh, when my dad died, I remember um, my auntie rang me early in the morning and I, she was crying on the phone and I knew that it was my dad. And of course, well, I knew it was one of my parents. And so I said, is it my mum or my dad? And she said, it's your dad. And I said, is he gone? And she said, yeah. I said, okay, how's my mum? And she said, um, she's, <laughs> it's not a story I'd expect someone to laugh at, is it? I said, how's my mum? She went, oh God, she's terrible. She's in the living room crying. She's waiting for the police to get here. And I said, she's not a suspect, is she? <laughs> and I, I told my aunt, uh, my auntie didn't laugh. I said, well, I'll be up in a couple of hours. And so I got up there and I saw my mum and uh, she was, of course, devastated. And uh, she, my dad was still, you know, they hadn't taken him away. She said, do you want to see him? I said, fuck that. He was gross when he was alive. I don't want to see him now. <laughs> and my mum laughed and I told her the thing about my auntie and she smiled at that too. And, um, you know, my dad would have laughed as well. Because he was class. He was a he was a very very purposefully grumpy man. He used to always say, "I'm smiling on the inside." But um, I remember once speaking of coronavirus. There used to be a singer called Corona, and uh, she had those songs. You'll recognise them. This is the rhythm of the night, the night. Oh yeah, the rhythm of the night. And she had that other one. Try me out, just baby. Try me out. I'll take a chance because I wanna be yours. So um, it's that song that this refers to. We're on holiday and um, on vacation and we're driving in the car and we were near Deerham in North Norfolk. And I remember because there's all these greenhouses there and I drove past it a lot in Christmas when I was doing the Chromapier Christmas show. So that's how I remembered. I thought, gosh, I remember being here on holiday as a kid and I was listening to a tape on my cassette player in the back of the car and I stopped and I took it out and I said to my dad, could we play my tape in the car? And he took out Al Jolson, which is what he almost always listened to. And he put the tape in and that song played and then it finished. And then the tape turned over and played the same song played again because it was a single. And so the tape turned over and that song started again. And my dad said, is this the same song over and over? And I said, yeah, it's a single. And he ejected the tape and he threw it out of the window. <laughs> and he said, well, that's enough of that shite then. <laughs> and I tell you what, I didn't laugh at the time, but looking back now, it was funny. I'll tell you some more stories about my dad on other podcasts. I remember once when he came in my room early in the morning and uh, I think he was drunk and uh, it was about five o'clock and he sat on the edge of the bed and it woke me up and he was obviously tucking me in. It woke me up and... um. <laughs> it woke me up and he said um son and i went dad dad you know because i was half asleep he said i'm gonna be dead one day <laughs> and I, I think he had some big philosophical thing to say i mean fair play to him he was right he is and um my mum came in 
And she went, what's going on? Because she'd obviously heard it. It was like five o'clock. My mum wakes up early anyway. She came in. She saw my dad sitting on the edge of the bed. I think she realised he'd been, he was drunk. She said, his name was Les. She said, Les, get to bed. He went to bed. She sat on the edge of the bed. She went, you all right? I said, my dad's going to die. She went, don't be silly. That won't be for years. He's just, he's fine anyway. So she took me into bed and I forgot about it. But uh, that occurs to me now. So funny. I can't wait to tell you more stories about my dad. Honestly, he was an absolute legend. But um, yeah, I mean, he didn't die recently. It was, you know, a few years ago now. But um, yeah, class. But anyway, that's not the point. The point is Paula Yates went out with Michael Hutchins and Michael Hutchins died because he had a masturbatory strangulation incident and he strangled himself to death whilst he was knocking one out, flicking one off the wrist. And I thought to myself, there's got to be something to that because a lot of people die doing that. And the, mainly the people who die doing that are people who already take drugs sleep with hundreds of women after shows and live the absolute rock star lifestyle. So something about that has got to be so, <laughs> so good that it's worth nearly killing yourself. And apparently you can't only, you can't halfway kill yourself. Like apparently a little bit of pressure on the neck is not enough. A little bit of like, oh, I can't breathe properly is not enough. You need to go nine out of 10 to nearly being dead. And then if you accidentally slip to 10, well, you're dead, aren't you? <laughs> With your pants down and, you know, your rapidly shriveling penis in your hand. But there's got, it must be amazing to have done it once and think, oh God, I nearly died then, but blimey, it was good. By the way, public service announcement, health and safety notice, don't try it. I'm not recommending it. Loads of people who claim to have done it all the time usually end up killing themselves doing it. So don't try and do it. But it's a strange thing to have to combine something that, let's face it, as far as I've been told, I don't do it personally. <laughs> but something that's already pretty good with something that's probably going to kill you. And it makes me think, like, why do we have to combine danger with things that are already great? Like, fish is nice, yeah? Like, you know, sushi is delicious. At least I think it is. But why do people eat that fish? that the only thing anybody knows about it is that if the chef doesn't cook it or cut it right, it kills you. I mean, there's the same thing with coffee. There's a coffee called Kopi Luwak beans. And the thing about them is that they are um, eaten and then pooed out by a sort of monkey. It's not actually a monkey, it's a toddy cat. And I know quite a bit about coffee, so I'm into this. Those beans are famous for that because they only eat the very best quality beans, but they can't digest them. They digest the stuff around them. So when the bean comes out in their poo, they have chosen the best quality bean for you. A bit like those squirrels in Willy Wonka. <laughs> Except the squirrels in Willy Wonka don't eat the nuts and shit them out. They just bang them on the table and listen to whether they're good nuts or not. And they somehow have the self-control to not eat them. But the fish thing, it's like that, isn't it? It's like... Um, the, the main thing we know about those, so that coffee's famous because it gets shit out by a kind of monkey. This fish, is it a puffer fish or a blowfish, is famous because everybody knows if the chef doesn't cut it right or cook it right, it'll kill you. Why is that famous? Chicken will kill you if you don't cook it right. <laughs> the humble chicken. If you don't cook chicken right and it's still pink when you eat it, you get salmonella and you die. 
well, you don't always die, but it can kill you. So apparently this fish does that as well. But can it be that nice? I bet it tastes like a seafood stick, what they used to call a crab stick, until the health authority got involved and said, there's no crab in that. You're not allowed to call it that anymore. So now they call them seafood sticks. They're like a processed gelatin thing that you usually dip in a bit of uh, Mary Rose sauce, shrimp cocktail sauce, which is a con as well, because that's really just mayonnaise mixed with tomato sauce and a bit of lemon juice. <laughs> but yeah, it's well famous, that, that fish. And I don't get it. So that, knocking one off the wrist while you almost kill yourself and eating that fish, they're two things that I recommend we all stop doing. Not that I've been doing them. I just want to be very clear. <laughs> I have not been eating that fish. I'll tell you what happened today that I've noticed. Um, dogs. When I'm walking along, I walk through this forest and I'll frequently walk past a couple or a small group or a single person that owns a dog. And the dog will be walking ahead of them. And as I walk past them, the dog will begin to keep pace with me. And then the dog is walking with me. And so it seems that many of Preston's dogs decide that they belong to me now. <laughs> and I, I sometimes when nobody else can hear, I go, are you my dog now? And I talk to them. Are you my dog now? What's your name? I'll give you a name. And I make up names for them. And I pretend just for a minute that they're my dog. And then invariably the owner shouts them back and uh, they go running. And I think, oh. I used to have a dog and I haven't now. <laughs> I'm a bit sad. But it got me thinking about the loyalty of dogs. Because I'm sure I read a story once about a, an older person who died. And they were in the house, just them and the dog. And the doors and everything were locked. And eventually the dog gave up and ate them. And they, <laughs> they discovered, <laughs> I can't just let that phrase pass. The dog eventually gave up and ate them. And they discovered that the dog hadn't begun eating the owner until post-mortem. Let me just, let me search this on uh, the internet. This is going to change my internet search history in a way that dog eats owner. You've got a, um, oh, dog eats dead owner. I mean, God, this is good. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, if this brings up a Pornhub listing, I'm quitting the internet right now. Dog eats dead owner. Go. Let's have a look. Uh, agree to cookies, terms and conditions. Oh, bloody every time. Would your... <laughs> Fuck's sake. The top article is National Geographic and it's called... Would your dog eat you if you died? Get the facts. Let's have a look at this. Um, in 1997, a forensic examiner in Berlin reported one of its more unusual cases. A 31-year-old man had retired for the evening. Oh, my God, he wasn't even old. Had evening to the converted garden shed behind his mother's house where he lived with his German shepherd. I hope the German shepherd was a dog because he's already in Berlin. So all the shepherds are German. <laughs> <laughs> so he's a German, German shepherd. He's double German. What is this dog? <laughs> nine? Okay, around 8.15, which is 45 minutes before nine. Nine? A neighbours neighbors heard gunshots from inside of the shed. 
well, fuck me, the dog hasn't shot him, surely, and he hasn't shot the dog. 45 minutes later, oh, so now it isn't nine, the man's mother and neighbours found him dead of a gunshot wound to the mouth. Fuck me, how long is this garden? The guy's been shot at 8.15, and it took them 45 minutes to find him. He's only in the shed. <laughs> You've got to read this article. I'm not making it up. You're going to think I'm taking the piss. I swear, if you search, would your dog eat you if you died, which is what's come up. Um, a National Geographic article. So 1997, here we go. So 8.15, now it's nine. They finally found him at the bottom of the garden. God, I hope this doesn't keep getting funnier. Poor bastard's dead. Mind you, it was in 1997, so it was 23 years ago. Oh, 31. He'd have been 54 now. Anyway, um, 45 minutes to find him. Uh, Neighbours found him dead of a gunshot wound to the mouth, a Walther pistol under his hands and a farewell note on the table. Well, the dog definitely didn't write that. There's no way the dog has shot him and then written the suicide note. Most of his face and neck were gone and there were tooth marks around the edges of the wounds. A half full bowl of dog food sat on the floor. Oh, this has taken a turn, hasn't it? The German shepherd was calm and responded to police commands. So the German German shepherd, which is a dog... On the way to the animal sanctuary, the dog vomited some of its owner's tissue, including skin with recognisable beard hair. <laughs> I'm sorry. The dog must have been car sick. He's on the way to the animal sanctuary. He's looking out the window. Cold player on. No one tracks the frequency of pets scavenging their owners' expired bodies. Now listen, when I was wondering if your dog would eat you because of loyalty, I meant like if it was trapped in the house for you for two or three days. This dog has ate this fella before his mum's had chance to get from the house to the bottom of the garden. Dozens of such cases appear in forensic science journals over the last 20 years, and they're a situation into, that is dreaded by pet owners dying alone and being eaten. Imagine how horrible that is for the dog. There's a famous story in Scotland, right, called Greyfriars Bobby. And it's of this dog whose owner died. And Greyfriars Bobby, the dog, sat on the owner's grave until the dog died. Now, how the dog understands the concept of the fact that the owner is buried in that ground, I don't know, because presumably he didn't smell the same. I mean, Frank Skinner has a joke about this that he said, what people didn't realise is that the guy had been buried holding the dog's lead. <laughs> and the dog's going, I'm not loyal, let me go. But anyway, so this dog sat on the grave and now there's a little statue to that dog in, in um, Edinburgh. <clears throat> and actually, it's the same graveyard that J.K. Rowling got a lot of the names for the Harry Potter characters from, like Snape and loads of other people. They're all, uh, was it Snape? I think Snape was one of them. Some of them, I can't remember which ones. I've bloody got... Um, Tom Riddle is definitely one. Tom Riddle is definitely, definitely one of them. But I think it's Snape as well. But anyway, she would walk around that gravestone, next, uh, that graveyard next to the Elephant Cafe, and she would... She got the inspiration for a lot of the names from the book from the people who are buried in that graveyard. But also in that graveyard is Greyfriars Bobby. Anyway, so imagine how horrible it is for the dog... Say you've been with this dog for 10 years, 15 years, the dog's old anyway, and you're alone in the house with the dog and you die, the dog's initial instinct is going to be to try and help, and that's going to be very sad, and then the dog's going to go mad and try and get out of the house and bark, and then still no help's going to come, and then eventually the dog's going to think, 
well, fuck me, I can't use a tin opener. I'm going to have to eat him. <laughs> and then the dog has to eat its owner that it loved. It must be horrible. Anyway, let's get back to the article. It says, I've reviewed about 20 of these cases that pulled together 63, uh, 20 of these published cases, along with a 2015 study that pulled together 63 cases of indoor scavenging. That's what we're calling it. It's indoor scavenging. That's what you call it when your dog eats your face when you're dead. Some of the patterns are, su- su- uh, are surprising and they open up questions about why pets might be motivated to eat the dead. Well, I'd assume that they were hungry. They didn't do it for a laugh. It's not some weird dog perversion. Uh, Here are some of the most common misconceptions. Oh, this is going to be good. It must have been the cat. Cats get a bad rap for being the most eager to eat their owners. Well, they always say, don't they? Dogs have owners. Cats have servants. Um, Doesn't surprise me as a cat owner. If you're sleeping, they tend to swat your face to make you wake up. So it's no surprise they eat you. Uh, Hunger hypothesis. Dogs are descended from wolves, so they're going to eat you. Let's skip to the next one. Um, Bad dogs. Uh, it's tempting to think that if you're close to your dog and treated it well, you're off the hook if you die. Well, I mean, what's the dog going to do? If it's hungry, it's hungry. A matter of breeding, some dogs uh, are more likely to eat you. Um, Although apparently lovable Labradors and Golden Retrievers also do it. It's not just the ones that you'd expect. Oh, my God. A Chihuahua has eaten a person's face. That would have taken ages. They don't have much of an appetite. Um, it says here, what do you do? There's no way to guarantee your pet won't eat you if you die. Well, who cares? You know what? If I've got a dog, it's just me and them in the flat and I die. He's welcome to me. What I might even do before I go to sleep is put a bit of ketchup down my face just to help him out. (laughs) The German, German shepherd. I was in Panto in Blackpool a few years ago with, um... Well, I mean, you could look this up, but a very well-known Blue Peter presenter was the headline of that panto, along with my buddy Steve Royal and loads of other great cast members. And um, <laughs> I was in the dressing room one day and this particular Blue Peter, male Blue Peter presenter, um, has a thing where he eats buttered toast before every show. Something for the throat, perhaps, likes to eat a slice of buttered toast. And so um, he goes in and the cleaners have been in and they've taken his knife And so he goes into the dressing room next door and asks if they've got a knife. And they say, uh, you're Googling, aren't you now? Male Blue Peter presenters recently. He goes, (laughs) there's all the details for you. Um, So he goes in next door's dressing room and he says, "Um, do you, and I'm in next door's dressing room at the time. So he comes in, he says, oh, cleaners have taken my knife. Have you got a knife? And they say, no, we haven't. And he goes, oh, do you mind if I borrow these? And there's some scissors on the desk. And uh, everyone says, no, no, not at all. So he takes the scissors away. Anyway, he uses the scissors to butter his toast. And I was quite surprised, but I go in the dressing room to see him and he's buttering the toast with these scissors. Anyway, the next day, the cleaner hasn't taken the scissors away, of course. So then the next day, hasn't taken them. Next day, hasn't taken them. So every day, he's buttering his toast with these scissors. Um, and then at the end, <laughs> at the end of the run, we're all in the pub together after the last show of the run. And Ronnie's wife has turned up uh, to watch the show and support him. And she's in the pub with us. And Barney takes the scissors out of his bag and says, oh, Ronnie, before I forget, here's your scissors back. And he hands Ronnie the scissors. 
And Ronnie's wife says, are they our scissors? And he goes, yeah. And she goes, thank God I've been looking for those for ages. And Ronnie goes, how come? And she goes, well, they're the scissors I use to trim the dog's arse hair when it's been raining. <laughs> and Barney looks like he's immediately going to vomit. And these dog's arse hair scissors have been <laughs> buttering toast every day. <laughs> so there you go. There's a fun story from Panto that I've never told before, but it is one of my favourites. I walked 12,000 steps. Right, now I've got to be honest again. Actually, I walked about 11,500 steps on my Fitbit, but I didn't put the Fitbit on until I left the house. Now, normally I'll do 24,000 to 30,000 steps a day if I do my full walk. I kind of walk to town, and then I walk from town at the football club, and then I walk home. And up to the football club for me is like 12,000 steps. But town and back is also 12,000 steps. So basically it's 6,000 steps to town, 6,000 steps to the football club, and then same in reverse. So if I just walked to town and back, I hit 12,000 steps-ish. It was actually 11,500. Um, so I was a bit annoyed that I, that was a bit, <laughs> I was a bit annoyed that I hadn't hit the steps. Um, and then I remembered something that a friend had told me which is referred to as a fit fap. Now, this podcast is not suitable for children. I'm sure I've been clear about that. But a fit fap is when your Fitbit counts steps because you have uh, moved your hand in a way that your Fitbit might conceivably recognize as running or steps, but actually you are sitting or lying still and having a much better time than you would be if you were running. I'm sure you understand. When one touches themselves in a carnal way, in the perseverance of pleasure, um, your Fitbit recognises <laughs> your Fitbit recognizes that as running. So last night I'm sitting on the couch and um, it's about ugh, quarter past half past 11 and I realise I'm 500 steps short of the 12,000. And I don't feel bad because I know that I've walked. I know I did 12,000 steps. I just didn't put the Fitbit on until late. So I think to myself, I need to get these 500 steps. But we're watching a movie. We're watching Wolf of Wall Street. Um, so I thought, I'm just going to simulate this action. So I put my hand down to my groin and I start miming. Uh, <laughs> it's no shit. <laughs> I start miming what it would look like to pull myself off. I start miming a, a self-pleasure. But I haven't said any of this out loud. So Sarah, who's sitting on the other couch, corner-wise to me, looks over and says, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> she said, that is not the way to ask me if you want to turn the film off and go upstairs. Because <laughs> I'm like some sort of primate, some sort of monkey that only knows how to mime his actions. And I said, I'm not. I'm not asking that. What I'm doing is I'm trying to get my steps up. And I heard that if you mime um, doing this, it counts steps too. And she said something that I'll never forget. Why are you pretending to hold your balls? <laughs> and I realized that I must do that. So what a way to find out. Oh, my God. Yeah, but I was watching one and it was a clip from this morning and uh, Philip Schofield and uh, Holly Willoughby. If you don't know about this morning, uh, because you're not from the UK, as I know many of you aren't, uh, I guess it's like, uh, you know, any morning show. 
See, TV in America is unusual because you have local television, which we don't really have here other than the odd news program. But um, it's like a local morning breakfast show. It's what you'd call a magazine show where they have a bunch of different features. And this video was a clip of a woman who was complaining because she'd been planning to get married to a ghost. <laughs> now, I know you all know how I feel about this sort of bullshit. So let me unpack this. She was saying she was going to get married to a ghost. Now, I don't know how a ghost marriage works. Um, genuinely, who does it? Do you need a proper celebrant? Do you turn up at a church? Do you stand there on your own and, you know, the vicar or whoever pretends they can hear the other person speaking? Because surely if anyone believes in the afterlife, it's got to be a priest, right? Sorry, Dave, I've talked about religion again. <laughs> I think I managed yesterday's episode without it, though. I'm not sure, did I? Um, yeah. And Philip Schofield was really, really trying not to laugh, which um, I loved. And Holly was very sincere. But um, he said, so what, what happened? Why is the wedding off? And she said, well, we went on holiday. <laughs> and she said, I knew something was up as soon as we were on the plane. I mean, could this story get any better? Why does he have to go on the plane if he's a ghost? Can he not just dematerialize and rematerialize in Benidorm? Why does he have to go on the plane? Did she buy a seat for him? Did he sit on someone's knee like Patrick Swayze in Ghost and become them for an hour? Or did she keep talking and whoever the two people were sitting next to her are going, no wonder this fucking maniac's going on all day on her own. She keeps talking to herself. <laughs> so... I'm thinking, what is it? Why? What's the reason? You know, she said, I knew things were going to be weird. He started acting weird as soon as we got on the, on the plane. Now, let's look at this. What does she mean by weird? Because, you know, when my mum, when I was my mum, very, you know, ordinary woman in the best way, nice, normal person, you know, had a job, went to school. <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. Why am I trying to describe normal? You know what I mean? Normal, just a normal person. I mean, having a job and going to school and not necessarily characteristics of a normal person. Let me just get out of this hole before it gets any deeper. She was a normal woman. So if my mum said, I've just been cooking your dinner and uh, something weird happened, what my expectation of that would be is that maybe uh, she burned a hole in the bottom of the pan or she spilled some of the beans off the plate or she broke the plate while she was serving it up. Basically, I would expect something within the realms of things that are possible when you're making dinner. If somebody who claims that they're marrying a ghost tells you something weird happened, what the fuck can they possibly mean? <laughs> so she says, she goes on to say, you've got to look this clip up, by the way, because it'll kill you. Woman claims she's marrying ghost on this morning. Philip goes, well, what do you mean weird? She goes, well, I think he just got in with a bad crowd. <laughs> got in with a bad crowd of ghosts. She said he would just go out all night, come back with, uh, you know, bring different spirits back to the apartment. Now, normally when you say that, you mean vodka and whiskey. If someone says they brought a weird spirit back, they're usually talking about Kahlua or Bailey's. <laughs> but she's going, he just was bringing weird spirits back people who we didn't know, you know, staying out all night. And I just thought, I'm not having this. So I told him, look, it's either my way or the highway. And he left me. So now we're not getting married. 
<laughs> oh my God. My friend Mark, oh, he'll, I don't know if he'll love me. I hate me for telling you this. But my friend Mark, who's been very unlucky in love in many years, I mean, he's very happy now. He's married and he's expecting a child. And he's got a lovely wife, and I'm sure he's going to have a lovely child. He's one of the nicest humans you could ever meet. Uh, he, when we were 17, was going out with this girl. I think her name was Liz. And um, he was constantly trying to sleep with her because, you know, we were 17. So what else? And every time we would go around to her house and her parents weren't in and they had every chance, she would say, <laughs> she used to say that she had a ghost in her room. And I'm sure, I think he's called Albert. Mark, you'll have to message me because I know you listen to this and tell me what, what the ghost's name was. But she would say, oh, we can't, Albert's in, he hates it. You know, he, he won't like to see it. He's in the room. And then they broke up and she, uh, later on, uh, came out as lesbian. In fact, I think Mark's had four or five girlfriends that have later said they were lesbian. So I don't know whether Mark has some sort of conversion technique or whether, you know, they have a go with him and they think, well, fuck trying that again. <laughs> oh, mate, I'm sorry. But yeah, so um, what can I do? What can I say? It's, um, it's, it's... <laughs> Oh, right, God, giggle on now. I mean, marrying a ghost. Jesus Christ. What world are we in now where people can go on the telly and say stuff like that? Strange, isn't it? I love a whiskey sour. Um, I I make them myself. And I was trying to learn to make the best... Oh, no, it wasn't. I was trying to learn to make an old-fashioned... Because I do make a whiskey sour, but I make an old-fashioned too. Someone bought one for me, a guy called Jimmy, Jimmy Holguin, uh, Jimmy H, when I was in LA, he bought me a, uh, an old fashioned and said, you might like this. And it's really good. It's like whiskey and orange and uh, Angostura bitters and other stuff. But I have a bit of an obsessive nature. So there was one day I decided I was going to make the best old fashioned and I got all the ingredients and I set up a playlist on YouTube um, of old people showing you how to make old fashions. And then when I drove home from a gig, it was a 40 minute drive. I had it on, but I had it like the phone was underneath the little flap thing in the car where the gear stick is. You know, you sometimes have like a little tray there. Anyway, the phone was in there um, and I couldn't see it. But I could hear it because I had the AirPods in and I was listening to all of these people describing how to make these whiskey sours. Uh, old fashioned shit, sorry. Um, they're, very, they're quite interchangeable, these two drinks. So I'm listening to all these recipes and I'm basically getting a grip of it. And then I get home and I make notes on all of these things. And I've already bought the stuff that I've read on recipes online. So I decide to make six old fashions and I line them up on the bench and... Um, I forget that it's alcohol because I don't drink a lot and I certainly almost never get drunk. But um, I forget that it's alcohol. I'm just obsessed with the process of learning how to make the old fashioned and what might make it better. You know, do you put two dashes of Angostura bitters in or three? Do you squeeze the orange or do you put some of the rind in? Do you put one shot of whiskey? Do you use... Um, uh, a rye whiskey, which is what's recommended, or do you try a bourbon? You know, different types of things to just experiment. So I made six different ones, six different recipes, and then I drank the first one, and then the second, and then the third, then the fourth. I drank all six, basically. And um, Sarah came downstairs in the morning, and I was flat out asleep on the couch. And um, I was so pissed I couldn't get up the stairs. <laughs> 
because I'd forgot it was alcohol. And so I drank them all, as you would, but within like maybe 45 minutes. So by the time I drank all of them, I was still felt okay. And then I was suddenly just really drunk. I tried twice to get up the stairs and kept falling over. And I thought, balls to this, I'll just sleep on the couch. <laughs> this was about a year ago now. And... um Sarah came down and she said, why did you sit on the couch? And I explained what happened. She said, well, surely you knew you were going to be drunk. I said, honestly, I genuinely forgot that it was alcohol. And then you put the bitters in. And she said, well, they're alcoholic as well. I said, are they? <laughs> I had no idea. So I drank, what must I have drank? I must have drank 12 whiskeys and all these bitters and stuff in less than an hour. And I was leathered. So I've never done it again. She said, I told her the whole experiment I said, uh, I made six to find out which one was the best. She said, which one was the best? I said, fuck knows, I was too pissed to remember. <laughs> so I wake up and I can hear all these sounds. And I'm wondering what the hell's going on. And what always happens in the morning is there's a point that I wake up. And I, unless I've set my alarm to go walk in it stupidly early, there's a point when I become aware that Sarah is no longer in the bed. She has gone downstairs, got out of bed, whatever. But usually it'll start where, you know, when you're awake in your brain, but you're not awake physically, but your brain knows that your body exists and you become able to move yourself. One of them. <clears throat> so usually I'll stretch my leg across and I'll just tentatively use my foot to feel whether or not she's still in bed. And if she is and my foot touches her, usually I'll know she's in bed because she'll say, Get your foot the fuck away from me. Because <laughs> she hates feet as well. The only thing she hates more than being touched while she's trying to sleep is being touched by my foot while she's trying to sleep. So, um, yeah, Sarah once said that we should get single beds in our bedroom and sleep in two single beds next to each other so that I couldn't accidentally shuffle over to her side and so that um, if I moved up and down, which I'm prone to do... It wouldn't make her side, her side rock. I've got hiccups. Um, I found out that there are mattresses that do that for you, but they cost a fortune. So for the minute, we're just putting up with it. <laughs> and when I say we, I mean her. I'm not putting up with anything. I sleep like a baby. Wake up two or three times, cry and shit myself every now and again. You know the score. So anyway, um, I move my leg over and I become aware of the fact that she's not in bed. And what I always do in that situation is I roll over onto her side because it's cooler and I put my head on her pillow. So I'm on her pillow. That was, that was a long chat for you to understand that I was on her pillow, but I hope it was funny. <laughs> so I've got my head on her pillow and I can hear this commotion. And she comes upstairs and says, I wouldn't put your head on my pillow. I've got head lice. Now I immediately leap up. The, the, at this point, my brain not only knows that my body is awake, but it is firing me out of the bed. So I go, what? And I am out of the bed faster than you've ever seen anyone in your whole life. I'm out of the bed quicker than if I'd been sleeping in someone else's bed and their husband had come home. <laughs> So I get up out of the bed and I say, what? She goes, we've got head lice. I've got head lice. Joshua, I can't tell if he's got them or not. You've probably got them. You've been sleeping on my pillow. I freak out. Now I 
have never had head lice ever in my whole life. I even confirmed this with my mother who told me that she did not remember me ever having head lice as a child. To be fair, my mum frequently cannot remember what she had for lunch when it's 2pm, so that's no guarantee of certainty, but I always remember growing up and being told, you've never had head lice. Nits, as we call them in the UK. Do you call them nits in other countries? Bart is writing a message to me right now, and I still appreciate it. So, uh, nits we call them here, but head lice. So, um, I then get the spray. There's this nit spray. It turns out that nit, nits, or head lice... I used to think they took ages to get rid of, but now they only require one application of this spray, which you leave on for an hour and then you comb it out. So um, I sprayed all over my head, but now I haven't got time to leave it on for an hour and still shower and everything and take Joshua to school. He's had it on since half six in the morning and it's now eight o'clock. So he's fine. He's had this stuff on and he's had his hair combed out. Sarah looks at the comb as she's combing his hair out and says he hasn't got them. Because when you use the little knit comb, the head lice comb with a very thin uh, side, I actually have one of those in the car and I use it for combing my beard because it's a very fine comb and I like it a lot. I use it to comb my beard, usually at traffic lights. I find it very soothing. <laughs> anyway, um, she's used that on him and he hasn't got them. So she, he gets dressed and I'm taking him to school. But by the time I've had this stuff on, I haven't got time to wash it off. So I take him to school with my hair wet with this head lice spray. And I'm freaked out inside. And Sarah's got it on as well. Um, but she's off work. She's got a driving lesson. So she's got the head lice spray on. And um, she's all fine because she's been up since the middle of the morning. But she can't check whether she has or not as well. So that's a whole scenario. And um, basically, I take him to school feeling disgusting. I've brushed my teeth and everything. Now, I usually brush my teeth in the shower because I get toothpaste all over myself. I get toothpaste everywhere. I'm a, quite a rapid brusher. I've told you this before. Um, so I always do it in the shower. I couldn't do that. I wasn't happy. I came home. I sat and played Call of Duty for two hours. And I left this head lice spray on my head until Sarah got home. So I've sat there for hours with it on. She gets in. She checks my head um, with a head lice comb. And it turns out I haven't got them. So I'm... <laughs> this whole morning has been ruined by the idea we've all got head lice. And two out of three of the suspects haven't got them. So then she says, right, let's check mine. So she go through, goes through her own hair with a comb. Turns out she hasn't got them either. Why did she think everyone had head lice? Well... Because she was doing her hair this morning in the mirror and she felt something on her head. And then she looked in the mirror and she felt she saw her head louse in the mirror, jump from one place to the other. And then when she checked, there was a little bit of blackness on her finger. Now, I think that what she saw was a speck of dirt on the mirror. And when she slightly moved her head, the speck of dirt moved with her head, but she won't admit to it. <laughs> so I don't know if it's true or not. But either way, it turns out that I got checked, Joshua got checked, she got checked. Not a single one of us has got head lice. <laughs> but then they came up with this thing where you could be on the phone and the internet at the same time. And what did we do with it? <laughs> well, we spoke to our friends on the internet, but at the same time, we had them on the phone and we said, 
I can't believe that I'm speaking to you on the phone and I'm typing to you at the same time. That is mental. I mean, it would have blown our minds if we'd known what we know now, that you can send a picture of yourself naked to a complete stranger months before you ever even consider speaking to them. <laughs> the internet has taken on a sort of life of its own. Everyone's just sending pictures of themselves naked, selling pictures of their feet, you know, like, it's just mental, isn't it? It's not what it used to be. It used to be that you're on MSN Messenger and you would talk to someone that you went to school with. Oh, God. <laughs> Time again. You talk to someone that you went to school with. You'd subtly try and find a way to tell them that you fancied them. <laughs> Desperately hoping they'd realise. I'll tell you what I used to do. I really liked this girl called Lauren. I went out with her for a while. And uh, she was a swimmer, like a professional athletic swimmer for the UK when we were both uh, 16. But anyway, she I remember once I offered a racer in the swimming pool. Never was my hubris so evident that when I dove in and came up and looked behind me to see if I was beating her to find her climbing back out the other side because she'd finished. <laughs> that was the only time she ever finished before me. But enough about that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, oh, we'll keep that in. Someone send me a note about that. That's a funny bit, that. Anyway, so um, what I used to do with girls when I was... Um, don't worry, this is only about talking to them on the internet. What I used to do was... Um, oh, I certainly never used to send pictures of myself naked. That never occurred to me back then. <laughs> and if I did it now, Sarah would say to me, I don't want to see this shit. I see you walk around naked at home every day. You usually spend half the morning and eat your breakfast naked. I don't need to see close-up pictures while I'm at work. Leave me alone. <laughs> but anyway, so I used to talk to them on MSN Messenger. And then what you would do, because you had a screen name, your name on MSN didn't have to be your real name. It could be uh, anything that you wanted. So you'd pick... A, you'd pick usually I'd go for a song lyric because I'm an old romantic maybe I'd pick a bit of Brian Adams maybe I'd go with look into my eyes you will see what you mean to me and maybe you'd wait and you'd talk to this person because they'd notice that your screen name had changed that's not the only way you got their attention by the way when someone signed in you used to get a box that would appear in the bottom corner and that would say that they'd signed in so what you would do is you would immediately sign out You'd wait 30 seconds, then you would sign in so that they saw you sign in and they knew you were online definitely. So we'd play all these different games, but you'd change your screen name and you'd hope that the um, that they would make their screen name something that vaguely hinted at yours. So if you put, you know, that, they might put search your heart as their screen name. Now, at the same time as this bananas chat going on, where you were changing screen names, you'd be having a completely normal conversation about your homework or something like that, you know? So you'd be talking about your geography homework and what happened in history class that day. You'd be putting Brian Adams lyrics. They'd be putting a Brian Ar Adams lyric. So you'd think, right, we're on here. This is something going on. And then you would maybe... Um, change your nickname to something like your screen name to something like I wish I was brave enough to say um and then they'd change theirs to something like 
I want you to tell me. <laughs> I mean, sometimes if you were friends with a small group of people, you could tell who was talking to who just by the screen names changing. Everyone was always trying to tell somebody else that they fancied them without taking the risk of looking stupid, basically. So that was the game. That was what everyone did. And um, I did that with this girl, Lauren. I gave her the old screen name. Baloney. I mean, to be fair, I was 16 at the time. No, 17. I was 17. She was 17. She might have been 16. Was she in the... I was in sixth form. No, she was in sixth form as well. And I was the youngest. So we must have both been 17. So we were... Um, I was the youngest in my class. What a disadvantage that is, by the way. We'll talk about age advantage a different day. Malcolm Gladwell. Very interesting. But I was doing this whole baloney. But we both worked at the same place, right? We both worked at NPower in the call centre, but we did outbound calls, helping people fix problems they'd sent in for letters. And so um, I remember that we had had this conversation on MSN and then we, uh, I'd told her then, I'd come clean in the chat. I'd said, so this screen name thing, and she'd gone, yeah, what about it? And I'd said, um, so um, I guess I'm going to have to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, even then, I mean, it's weird you didn't have the balls to say it. You were only typing. What was the worst thing that could happen? This is before the, everybody knew about the concept of a screenshot. I remember finding out that you could take a photograph of your own screen. Back then, the only option that you had in on a PC was you pressed this button on the keyboard called print screen. And then you opened up paint. Do you remember paint? MS paint where all you ever used to do was draw squares of varying sizes and use the fill-in tool to make a weird colour-changing square pattern and put stuff over the two. It's just shite. What was the point? That, the chess game and the pinball thing that nobody was ever any good at on PC. But um, you press print screen, then you'd go in MS Paint, and then you would go to edit and paste. And that pasted a picture of your screen that you could save. But nobody ever did it. It's not like now where apps need to be invented that stop people from screenshotting the stuff that other people send them. So ubiquitous is the concept of sending photographs of your genitals to people that apps have had to be invented to allow you to do that without the other person taking a screenshot of it without you knowing. But even that, they find ways around it. I remember seeing on TikTok, loads of the videos on TikTok at one point were how to screenshot somebody's Snapchat without them knowing. God, I used to have Snapchat as well. What a load of shit that was. That drove me insane. I got rid of that after about three weeks because it was ridiculous. Um, so anyway, all these social media apps. Is anybody still on Bebo? <laughs> but you used to do it on uh, MySpace. That was class. That was the early runner before Facebook. I used to love MySpace. When you used to have it so that when people went to your page, a certain song played. Then loads of com companies did that with their websites and it was really annoying. But anyway, nobody ever cared about that sort of stuff. And everybody was shy and nervous. So even when you were just typing, it was hard to tell someone you liked them. So um, I did. I finally told her. And she said, um, well, what do you want to do about it? I said, well, I think I'd quite like to kiss you. <laughs> See, I was a forerunner to the whole, you know, I was asking permission before anybody else was. I was always aired on the side of caution. Um, it's because I felt like as a teenager, I looked like the elephant man and I didn't dare get within a meter of someone unless they'd given me written permission. <laughs> <laughs> 
But anyway, so we were both got off this bus. We got this weird little bus to work because he'd picked us up in the town centre and it was like 30p for this 10-minute bus ride up to where we worked. So we both sat on the bus, borderline nervous. She knew I was going to kiss her as soon as we got off the bus because um, we'd planned it. Let's get on the bus and pretend everything's okay because there'll be other people. And then we'll both get off the bus. There's only ever me and you that get off that bus at that stop at that time. Only ever us. So we both get off the bus. There's only me and her. She looks at me and says, is this it? And I go, yeah, this is it. I take one step towards her, trip over the curb, headbutt her straight in the nose, nosebleed everywhere. <laughs> The kiss was off. It did not go well. I wonder if she'd remember that. It's funny. Well, of course she would. I mean, some boy that said he likes her offers to kiss her at the bus stop and she ends up with a half-broken nose and a bloody thing. All of her shirt had blood on it. Her face had blood on it. Honestly, I stuck a square headbutt straight on her face. It was terrible. I remember it like it was yesterday. <laughs> I was backstage at a holiday park and I really needed a poo. Now, for years, I've never said which holiday park this is because um, <laughs> I'm still not going to say. <laughs> but it's a big holiday park in the Scarborough area. Um, I was backstage and I really needed a poo and I was desperately searching everywhere. I didn't want to go out into the room and through the guests and stuff and find that toilet. It was a rush. So I start looking around and this particular backstage, some clues has got an upstairs as well. So I'm looking around, looking around. I finally find this toilet. So I open the door and I cannot find the light switch, but there's a toilet in there. There's an insane amount of toilet rolls. I mean, piles and piles of it. It was all been stored in the toilet. So, um, I put the torch on my phone, I close the door, there's no lock, I think, oh, fuck. But it's backstage, so there's no, like, um, nobody's going to be there, there's just me in this place. So I go and sit on the toilet, and I drop an absolute killer, like a nuclear bomb-sized dump in this, to in this toilet. And um, I stand up, and I wipe my butt, and I drop the toilet paper in there from one of the 500 toilet rolls that's in the room. And... Then I try to flush the toilet, and this is where the problems start. The toilet doesn't flush. It's completely dry. There's no sound at all. Just that ringing noise of nothing happening. So what I do is I lift up the cistern, you know, the top bit on the toilet, to see if there's any water in there. And I realise that there isn't. And as I go to put it back down, I realise that the toilet's further away from the wall than I'd first noticed. And then I realise that not only is it a little bit away from... And not only is it a little bit away from the wall, it's entirely disconnected to the wall. And there isn't even anywhere that it could be connected to the wall, which is strange. And then I realised that this dark room with no lights in and way too many toilet rolls and no lock on the door is actually a cupboard. <laughs> it's just a closet with a toilet and loads of spare toilet and loads of toilet rolls stored in it. So you should... <laughs> so there's no sink or anything. There's nothing. Just a spare toilet, way too much toilet roll, and now it's full of shit. So I go back out and I see the team and uh, I decide it's best not to say anything. 
So I don't know what happened to that turd or that toilet, but I never told anyone. So if you've worked on a holiday park and you have had a phantom shitter, drop one in a toilet in a cupboard that was disconnected entirely from the wall. Hey, friends, that was me. (laughs) So I'm going to tell you something. Uh, I shit myself today. (laughs) Just a little bit, a little tiny bit shit myself, a little bit. I just shit myself a little bit. I was walking and I thought I was going to trump. Now, I didn't eat yesterday. I fasted and I walked myself to death. That does play havoc with your body a little bit because you're very, very empty. And so, uh, and this happens when you alternative day fast, by the way. Alternative day fasting, one of the things that happens is you sometimes don't know that you need the toilet. And then you find out that you need the toilet about three quarters of a second before you do need the toilet. Uh, And sometimes you think you're going to trump and it feels that lovely, clean feeling of, oh, I've got a little trump. And that's how I felt when I was in Avonham Park uh, walking, not Avonham Park, New Orleans Park, where it's at the top of the the road. Um, And I thought, oh, I'm going to do a little trump. So I looked around to check that nobody was there. And because uh, I once went up to a cash machine in the middle of the night at Asda when we used to get when I was a fun star and uh, we used to get paid at midnight. We'd all go to Asda in a minibus to do our shopping. And my girlfriend at the time, Lisa, would buy 500 different sandwich spreads in a carton because she was obsessed with them. And I went to the cash machine. There was no one around. And I put my card in. And I was getting cash out and I did the biggest fart you've ever heard. And as I turned around, there was someone else waiting at the machine behind me. <laughs> And I didn't know. So now whenever I'm going to fart, I always look around. Anyway, so I think, oh, I'm going to do a little trump, little trumpy trump trump. And I have a peek around. There's nobody there. So I let it out. And before it's halfway out, I'm clenching my butt cheeks like a maniac because a little bit of shit came out. Not hard shit, by the way. Just a little bit of a watery little, you know, just a dribble. Basically, I knew something was coming out. But I'm also not that far from the range. And I know they've got a toilet in there. So I'm thinking... (sighs) got to get to the range pretty quick and if ever you do poo yourself which by the way you don't have to be embarrassed about some people do it because of various medical conditions I did it because I didn't eat it's just one of them things anyway it's all about containment isn't it if you can manage to get away with it not touching your boxer shorts and then you can get to a toilet and go to the toilet properly and then wipe your bum. And I always have wet wipes in my bag, by the way, just because you never know when you've got a kid, wet wipes in your bag are a, a dead cert. So I know I can get properly clean um, if I can just contain this in my butt cheeks. So I was a bit panicked and um, I look in my bag for some solution and all I find, <laughs> all I find is a receipt from Waterstones Bookstore, from the Percy Jackson book I bought my son a few days ago. So I got that, I folded it into the biggest shape that I could make, and um, I jammed it up my ass. (laughs) Just stuck it in between my butt cheeks up to the hole, and uh, I walked down to the range, and then when I pulled it out, it just had a little little tiny few dots on it of the old pooparoo. And I put it in the bin next to the toilet. It was one of those sealy bins that you could put needles in and um, for hazardous waste, which is just as well. And uh, I wiped, I went to the toilet properly. I wiped it up and um, it was all all right. (laughs) Why do I do this? Should we do the virginity story then? Should I get to it? Should I go all out and tell you where, where it's at? So um, when I was 16, I went out with this girl 
<clears throat> who was very nice, and she was 17, and uh, we were going out for a little while, and the, you know, the, the prospect of having sex finally came up. Oh, gosh. Um, she asked me if I was a virgin, and I said no, which I was. I don't know why I said that. I just didn't want to seem like a schmuck, like I was green, a schlub, you know, like I didn't know what I was doing. So I said, yeah, no, of course I'm not. I've slept with loads of girls. <laughs> <laughs> I knew less about it than a Tibetan monk knows about alcohol and gambling. I mean, honestly, I couldn't have been any less informed. It wasn't like these days where it was all over the internet and stuff. I had nothing. I just had friends who told me apocryphal tales like they thought you were supposed to put your balls in as well. Which, by the way, I was absolutely stunned to hear on the in-betweeners as a joke. So I wonder if that was a bit of a, a bit of a regular thing that teenagers thought, but I was sure you were trying to, you're supposed to try and cram your balls in. Anyway, you're not supposed to, for anybody that's listening, um, that's wondering. <laughs> Although this podcast is uh, marked over 18s only explicit content, so you shouldn't be listening, unless of course you're over 18 and you're still a virgin, in which case you have my deepest sympathies, good luck. I hope you uh, try your best and don't put your balls in. Anyway, so uh, I'm with this girl and the night finally arrives. Her mother, who was extremely religious, <laughs> had gone out for the night, maybe to the bingo or something like that. I'm not entirely sure. And I was staying around there, but we weren't allowed to sleep in the same room. So uh, I slept in a spare room at the end of the kind of corridor and she, they had two spare rooms, actually. Um, it was quite a big old house, but there was just the two of them. <clears throat> um... The, the, she, her father wasn't on the scene. It was just her and her mum lived in this house together. Anyway, um, so mum's out, extremely religious. And uh, we finally get to it. Now, this is where my problem started because we started to do the act. And I didn't know, aside from the balls thing, the other misconception I had about sex was that for it to be good, I thought that what you had to try and do was squeeze in as many different positions as was humanly possible in the allotted amount of time that you were given. <laughs> so we looked like we were taking the photographs for a couple's naked yoga magazine uh, demonstration. It was very awkward. As soon as we got into any sort of rhythm, um, I would switch it up and change it round and swap us over and just try anything I could, anything different. And I was getting absolutely nowhere near to finishing and neither was she. Basically, we were getting nowhere fast. So uh, in the midst of all this, I'm very excited about it though and I'm showing all my enthusiasm and she's just looking at me confused. <laughs> what is this guy doing? But you know, apparently I, I told her I was a right stud and I'd slept with loads of people. So leave it to me, I'll sort us out. Um, she, on the other hand, had had boyfriends and stuff before and, you know, was a little more experienced. I should have just told her the truth and asked her what I was supposed to do instead of embarrassing myself. But anyway, so uh, I kept trying to do everything. And then finally, she says to me, just keep doing that. We're just normal, just normal where I'm on the top. She's on the, just what you call missionary. Yeah, you know the style. Um, I and I'm I'm going for my life. And I mean, really, I, I mean, I'm like a, a captain solemnly going down with the ship. I'm not giving up. I'm in this now. And it finally starts to feel pretty great. And we're both enjoying it a lot. Anyway, her extremely religious and also very light footed mother. <laughs> 
<laughs> suddenly made her appearance in the corridor. We hadn't even heard her come home. Nobody heard the door. Nobody heard the pitter-patter of those little feet coming up the stairs. Nobody heard her as she made her way down the corridor. But she knew what was going on. Clearly, she'd come to look for us in the girl's room, but we were in the spare room where I'd be sleeping. Now, because she's extremely religious and, you know, had the worst in mind and maybe... Maybe I'd have knocked, but she didn't knock. She burst into the room. I leap up off this girl like... I don't know what you would call it. Have you ever seen that bit? Have you ever seen Brett the Hitman Hart jump off the top rope and elbow slam someone? Well, imagine if you put that video in reverse. (laughs) It was like a backwards top rope elbow slam. Um, So I leap off her backwards on rewind and I'm standing at the corner of the bed The girl's on the bed, pulling the covers up over herself. Um, I don't know who she's hiding from. I mean, her mum's seen her plenty of times, and I've certainly been looking the last few minutes. Instinct, she's pulling the covers up. Her mum is now looking at both of us, and something of a Mexican standoff ensues. We're all looking at each other, and I'm fully naked. I don't know what to do. And at that point is when someone had to shoot first. (laughs) (laughs) and as it turns out it was me the gun went off not even in my hand I was just standing there I didn't know what to do I didn't have my hands on my hips or anything I wasn't showing off but I was standing there at the end of the bed and the gun went off all over the end of the bed (laughs) and they both watched the trajectory and they both looked at the end of the bed and both faces turned extremely sour and the mum screamed blue murder what the fuck is going and she marches out of the room the girl in question immediately starts crying jumps up out of the bed tells me to stay in there and runs down the corridor presumably after her mum um on the by way of a dressing gown i assume i sit down on the edge of the bed slightly you know away from well a little bit away from the edge for obvious reasons (laughs) a little bit further down and In my head, all I can think is, did I just have a threesome? (laughs) Oh, my God. Is that the worst virginity story you've ever heard in your life? It was terrible. Oh, my God. It didn't put me off, though. I couldn't wait to try again. But, um, yeah, I was mortified. So the next morning, I went downstairs really early and I said sorry. Um... You know, I saw the mum, I said, I'm really sorry about what happened last night. I hope you don't think that I disrespect the house or you, you know, just you were out. We've been going out for a little while, obviously, you know, we're 16 and 17. I had a very cool head on. We're 16 and 17. Um, We got a bit carried away. It doesn't mean, you know, that it's this or that. And she said, <laughs> she said, well, I admire you for having the balls, which I thought was a very poor choice of words. I admire you for having the balls to uh, come down and say that. My respect for you has gone up no end. Um, you know, I think we'll be all right, but it might be best if you don't stay for a while. <laughs> she was, she was right. Um, and that was that. But, um, so that's how I lost my virginity. I hope you enjoyed that friends. So there it is, friends. That is the end of the best of the last hundred days. The stories chosen by you. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed it, 
Do me a favor, help me out. Please share this episode in any way that you can. Send it privately to friends via a link from your podcast app. Share my status about it. Just do anything you can to let people know this podcast exists and most importantly, this episode. If they like this episode, they'll listen to the whole podcast, I hope. And if not, you know, if I took this material, I suppose the idea was that I would trim down the last hour and 10 minutes that you've listened to and make it, you know, a 40 minute stand up set. Let your friends know, let them listen to it. And hopefully we'll get a bunch of people jumping on board. Thanks, friends. I hope you enjoyed it. Bye.